Hey, what's going on, guys? Your boy Devin, aka D, checking in, bringing to you the first episode of the Brotherhood Podcast. The Brotherhood Podcast is a branch off of the Brotherhood Project. The Brotherhood Project is based upon the innovation of male empowerment, based upon our six pillars of culture, self-love, education, professionalism, music, and fitness. Before I get started, I'm going to bring to you one of my favorite songs. It's called Dango Tay by Burner Boy. Check it out. Hey, what's going on, guys? Your boy Devin checking in, bringing to you the first episode of the Brotherhood Podcast. Hey. Technology's crazy, man. I would never would have thought I could find an app for free I could make my own podcast. So the app I'm using is called Anchor. Shout out to Anchor, the podcast creator app. Um, if you guys are ever interested in making a podcast, hop right on your app store and download Anchor. But yeah, bring it to the first episode of the Brother Podcast. Um, this episode is basically going to be an introductory episode, talking to you a little bit about the uh, background history behind the Brotherhood Pod- Podcast, the Brotherhood Project, as well as some background history about myself. Um, something that I have come to realize recently and recent times is a lot of times when it gets tough to finish, it's important to remember why you started and how you started. Um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about my history and a piece of my history that was hidden from the world, and I did my best to hide it from myself and act as if it didn't exist, um, mainly because it was such a painful situation part of my uh, journey, and uh, so I did my best to try to hide it, but it's important, especially in your present self, when you go through tough times, a way to ground yourself and bring you back into the present and to motivate you to yourself to persevere is to remember those tougher times to remember why you started. Um, But, yeah, okay, a little bit about the uh, background history of the Brotherhood Podcast. The Brotherhood Podcast was uh, actually a recent idea uh, inspired by someone named Sean Stevens of the Model Health Show. Shout out to Sean Stevenson of the the Model Health Show. Very inspirational show. I Highly recommend it to all you guys that are um, into self-improvement, growth, mindset, all the above, health. By all means, go check it out. It's a great podcast. Um, But yeah, his recent, most recent episode kind of really hit home with me because it touched base upon um, your story. And embracing your story, embracing where you came you came from, and realizing that it's okay that you went through that. 
you got through it, you know, you persevered, you know, and and it kind of inspired me to get on a podcast for the Brother of Projects. So the Brother of Pro- Projects, um, a little background history about the Brother of Projects. It was an idea brought to me back in the uh, year 2016 by my brother Rich Morell. Um, it was his original idea, and it came to me at a time where I myself was coming out of a pretty tough relationship. Um, through the relationship, I kind of really lost touch with myself. To be honest, it was mainly because everything about myself that I enjoyed that I was into, uh, even in arguments, everything about my, I just let her have everything. I was just tired of fighting. I was tired of bickering. It was a drama. It was like, to be honest, it's almost like a second job. You know, it's it like I lost myself in the process of trying to figure out, do I really want to be in this relationship? Is this normal? And during the process, I kind of got lost in the mix, and I was Eventually, I was kind of just going through the motions. So it wasn't until I picked up a book called um, How to Get Out of Your Own Way by Tyrese Gibson. Highly recommend that read. It was, a lot of it was about um, mindset. A lot of it was about personal growth. And a lot of it was about relationships. And it kind of, got my idea turning on the aspect of, okay, this was definitely not a relationship, a healthy relationship, and it got my mind turning, okay, this is not okay, what's going on, it's definitely not okay, so that was the end, the end of the relationship wasn't too long after that, and when I got out of the relationship, I kind of was just in the state, in the mind state of just totally fulfilling myself in all aspects. And in a way, I kind of did a little too much. I tried to do everything. You know, I tried to be all I could be. And one thing I learned in the process of that is you can't do everything. You know, if you try and put your energy into everything, your energy will be so dispersed in each of these things you're trying to do that you'll drain yourself through doing that as well. So one thing I learned was to find areas of your life that you can truly enjoy, bring in income, and benefit the world around you. And during this process of figuring this out, my good friend Rich came to me about the Brother Project. And it's like, he came to me with this idea, and I was like, whoa, this 100% fits what I'm going through at this point in time, what I need at this point in time. It totally fits who I am an individual, the type of things I enjoy, and I can, it's a positive outlet. I can put my thoughts and my energy and my intention into to benefit myself, to become a better person for myself unto the world around me, to help the world.
world around me, to help others around me, and help others around me grow within themselves. So I was all for it from day one. So the Brother Project was an idea that was kind of, it was brought to my attention from my brother Rich. It's somebody I call from day one, like a brother from another mother, Rich Morell. I'm gonna have to, I'm definitely gonna have to be getting him on the show. Uh, I don't think it's right for me to fully tell his story for him. When the time's right, he will tell his story, and the, the place he was at when he came to this idea about the brother project. But I will say that he was the original person that came to me with this idea for the brother project, and. Um, it meant a lot to me because at that point in time, like, I felt that I needed something, like something that was very, that was fitting for the point in time in my life that I was going through, the changes that I was going through, the growth that I was going through, and at the same time empower others and help, you know, help others, lift others up, you know what I mean? That's what I'm about. So he he came to this this idea about the brother project, and I was all for it from day one. You know what I mean? And it was like he came to me. It was it was a really dark time in, in his life. You know, he was going through a lot mentally, health wise. He he felt really alone out here. He's from New Jersey, but he felt really alone in Boston. All of his loved ones is back in New Jersey came out to Boston for the job uh, with the government that we work for. But um, <clears throat> he came to me with this idea at a really dark time in his life. And it's like, he came to me with, with this idea, and it's like we we helped each other through dark, dark times. With, you know, whatever we're going through, we needed to actually put some motivation. We were there for each other. We went to the gym all the time together. We pushed each other through limits and boundaries that we never thought we could push through before because we were there for each other to push through it. You know what I mean? And when times really got hard, I remember we we got a phrase with the Brother Project. Um, you know, when times would get hard and we'd be in the gym putting in work, like putting in major work, like, I remember there's times there's times in the weight room like he, he felt like he couldn't do no more like, and I remind him, who you do it for, Rich? Who you do it for? And it kind of snapped him into reality, and it kind of made him remember. You know, sometimes you need that reminder to snap you back into it. You know, back into that grind. You know? Who who you do it for, man? Who you do it for, Rich? That's what I would tell him. And I know for me, I do it for myself. I do it for everybody I love, everything I stand for, and unto the world around me. You know, that's who I do it for. That's what I do it for. So we all need a reminder sometimes as to what we do things for when things get when things get tough, when things get unbearingly hard. You know, or hard to persevere past. We need something to help us 
rise above it and get over to the next level. You know. And that phrase in itself, it really it snaps I know it snaps me back into it. When I'm looking in the mirror at the gym and I'm lifting the weights. A lot of times, um I'll ask myself that question when I'm in the middle of a set or whatever. Who you do it for? Who you do it for? I know there's a lot of people out there depending on me to do my thing. There's a lot of people that believe in me. There's a lot of people who want me to succeed and love me. And But first and foremost, I got to do it for myself and where I came from. Um little background history about myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the full story. It's only right for me to tell the full story as to where I came from up until where I am today. Uh, so, I'm not going to lie. The story is something I only embraced. It was only, it was probably around maybe four years ago that I began to accept my story to myself that I began to embrace it. Before that, it's kind of like a piece of my history that I tried to hide. And first and foremost, I tried to hide it from myself. You know what I mean? It's like something I tried to hide from myself. It's like I was embarrassed to even speak about it. But you know what? There is strength in speaking on things that you are embarrassed about, there's things in speaking on, there's strength and strength and power in speaking on things that you felt you messed up or whatever, there's strength in that. The, thing, the, the main thing about speaking on things like that, it doesn't let that experience have, the, have a hold on you. You don't want the experience to have a hold on you, you know? When you when it has a hold on you and you're embarrassed to speak about it, you don't even want to acknowledge it's part of your history. But the fact of the matter is, no matter how painful or how much you suffered through that time, you know, you persevered. You persevered, you know. You got through that time. Nobody else got through that time but you, you know. Nobody else got it but, but past that time. But you, you and you only, you know, so it's important to realize that, to, you know, okay, to say that, um, this was something that, yes, I did go through this, yes, I did go through it, but it does not define me. I define what it is to me, and I define that this will not have power over me or my life anymore, you know? So, at this point, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about my history, where I came from, and I'm going to tell you a little about the most one of the most painful times of my life. Um... This was definitely one of the most darkest times of my life that I try and hide from a lot of people. Because it's something that was very painful to me. It was very dark. And 
was times that I really just didn't even know why I was on this earth. Like, why am I here if I'm going to suffer so much? I don't understand why. Why are you doing this to me? I'm looking up to God all the time. Okay, but as I digress, I'm going to get right to the story. Growing up, um, I'm from Natick, Massachusetts. So growing up, I don't know if you guys know too much about Natick, but it's a uh, it's a suburban area. A lot of, uh, there wasn't too many minorities around. There might have been like two or three minorities in my grade as I grew up in uh elementary school. Um, <clears throat> so I remember, you know, I had a pretty, you know, I had a pretty good upbringing. You know, we, me and the family, we moved, we, we lived in Natick first in a little apartment and then we moved into a house in Natick, Massachusetts. And, um, I remember elementary school, it was it was different. It was the first time I was really around kids my age like that. First time I was my first real experience in the public school system in Nate. And um my parents my parents my father's from Roxbury, my mother's from Indianapolis, Indiana. Um they came together and they they wanted a good life for me and my sister, so Natick has a pretty good reputation for being a nice area, and uh, it is it is a nice area. It's a nice area, but the main thing in Natick is there is not much of a minority population at all. And in my grade, there might have been one, maybe one or two kids, black kids in my grade. I, my, my two best friends were Asian and uh, Portuguese and Asian, Portuguese and Chinese. Um, and one thing I I absolutely despised about elementary school was recess time. And you guys are probably like, why does he hate recess? Like, but recess was different for me because you know, as a kid, I want to play. With, I want to play games with the kids my age. I want to play football and whatever with the kids my age. And and you know when uh, they're you know when you when they're gonna play kids with the games with the kids, they get to pick teams. So everybody stands in like a group, and each team, the two teams, will pick one by one who they want on the team. Okay, I'm waiting to be picked. This is this is a daily occurrence. Every single day, I'll be waiting waiting to be picked, waiting to be picked. And it was always me and one of the little skinny kid of Caucasian descent. Um, and they always pick him over me. And lastly, the team, the other team is supposed to take me, you know, because I'm the last pick. They're just supposed to just take me on the team. But then that team, the team captain will be like, no, I don't want him on my team. I don't want the brown boy. I don't want the fat boy. And those words, like, ring in my mind like it was just yesterday because I was like, what? You don't want the brown boy? What's wrong with me? Why am I so different? Why, what makes me so bad? And the thing is, I wasn't, and I, I don't want the fat boy. I wasn't even fat. I was just bigger than everybody else. But then it really opened my eyes to see, like, I am a little different according because of my skin color. I'm not like everybody else. So, and 
And then after that, you know, I, the guy said, the, the kid said he didn't want to take me. And they kind of just let me be, like, yeah, like, get out of here, kid. Yeah, get out of here, you know. So I just, just, you know what, all right, I'll just play by myself then. So I did. Every single day I recess. And I, eventually I, I stopped even bothering playing, trying to play with the kids because it, it would hurt me emotionally more than anything else. So I kind of found peace just being by myself and do whatever I want, you know. And um, the teachers, they would always call home to my mom. Is everything okay at home? What's going on? Is Devin seems like he's he's not, you know, he's he's hurting. He he seems like he's he doesn't want to play with the kids. Or he's is everything okay? And then my mom will come to me like Devin, what's going on at school? I hear at recess you're not, you know, interacting with the kids. Like, is everything okay? I'll be like, yeah, of course, mom, everything's fine. Cause one thing about me, I, I never wanted my mom to worry about. Me. I never wanted my mom to be stressed out about my situation. The worst thing in the world for me, even up until this day, is to make my mom cry. That's that's one thing I I can't, I, I just can't. I have a hard time dealing with it. I don't ever want that. So, you know, I never really told her what was really going on in school, how, how bad these kids would treat me like they would. I'll just be, and sometimes I'll just be playing by myself, and kids will just come up to me and throw, you know, kick me and whatever, and then throw balls at me and try and, like, pick on me because I was, because I was different. Because I was different, you know? And this, this went on up until, like, maybe I'd say fourth grade until kids started listening to rap music, and then I was a cool kid. <laughs> And I was a cool guy, you know. Everybody started listening to rap music and started listening to Nelly with the Band-Aid on and all that on his face. So they walk around putting little Band-Aids on their face, thinking they're cool and whatever, you know. And then I was a cool kid because being black was acceptable, you know. And But in a nutshell, to this day, I, I don't even really blame the kids. To a certain degree, I blame them because they did have their own free will to believe what they wanted to believe. But behind closed doors, it kind of shows you how the area is behind closed doors with the children, with the parents and the children. You know, kids don't come out the womb thinking, don't play with the brown boy, don't play with the fat boy. These ideals are brought to them by different, you know, mentor people in lives, you know. They're not just, cause they don't come out the womb thinking like that. These, they get these ideas coming from somebody, you know. But as I digress, um, so yeah, back to the back to the fourth grade, you know, kids start listening to rap music, whatever. So then I was a cool kid, and then shortly after that, I remember there was a uh, hospital visit that I had. It was a it was a doctor's appointment, it's a regular doctor's appointment, like a checkup appointment, and uh, the doctor requested a urine sample, blood sample. You know, to see my vitals. And I remember them examining my urine and seeing, wow, this is a uh, this is a uh, substantial amount of protein in your in your urine. We're gonna need to check out your kidneys a bit to see if everything's okay. 
And um, so in order to check out my kidneys, they needed to do a biopsy to see, you know, take a piece of my kidney out, examine it, see what's going on in uh, full detail. So I remember the day of my biopsy came. The day my biopsy came, and um, I've been through different operations before, so I kind of had a confidence about it. I wasn't really that worried or concerned. And, uh, so I remember laying on the operating table, and I remember seeing the tools that they were going to use on me. One of the tools was like a, uh, it was like something you see in a movie, like one of those big syringes, like with the syringe part was like, like almost the size of a ruler. And it was a really thick syringe too. Like I remember seeing it specifically, like this is, this was what they were going to use to take out the piece of my kidney. And, um. I remember laying on the, on the operating table and I remember thinking, okay, it's either I'm going to knock out soon or I'm just not going to feel the pain at all when they put this big syringe in me. And um, I remember I'm starting to pick up the tools, Begin, they're beginning to follow, you know, start with the procedure. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to knock out any second. I'm going to knock out any second. It's going to be soon. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to sleep soon. And Sure enough, I did not go to sleep, and they began injecting the big syringe that looked like it's out of a movie inside of my, inside of me, where my kidney is. So, in itself, that was kind of like a traumatizing experience in itself. I know the pain of being stabbed. At at 13 years old, I know the feel to be stabbed. It was probably I, I was I was it was probably putting me about a good two, three times, and I began screaming and crying, like, while I was being injected in me over and over, and then, then I realized, I remember them, them talking to themselves, like, holy shit, he's still awake, and they put some more injection inside him, and they put some more, um, I don't know what it's called, but the stuff that makes you go to sleep, they put some, some more of that in me. And I knocked right out instantly. Um, and then I wake up from the procedure. The procedure was a success. They took out the piece of my kidney that they want to examine. And um, so they took out the piece of my kidney, and but now my kidney has a uh, has a piece. That, it, it needs to heal up. It needs to heal up quickly. And in order to make it heal up quickly, they gave me this medication called prednisone. Prednisone is, from my understanding, like a steroid. It kind of, um, its main use is to heal organs and help recovering patients from surgeries and things of that nature, help their organs heal quickly. But a side effect is it might make you gain a lot of weight in a short period of time. I had no idea what prednisone was. My mother didn't know what a prednisone was. But I was given prednisone to take, in, to take before I went to sleep at night. Okay. So 
I take the prednisone before I go to sleep. And I wake up in the morning. I remember walking to the bathroom. And it was like, it was literally overnight. I was looking at myself in the mirror and I was thinking I was still dreaming. I started slapping myself in the face. Started looking over at my body. I had stretch marks on my shoulders and my arms. I blew up literally overnight with a ton of weight overnight. It was that extreme. And I'm thinking, it, it, to this day, it must have been some kind of allergic reaction because I had an extreme case of the side effect that happened, you know, like literally overnight. And I remember running downstairs to my mom, you know, and all she could do was really just hug me and try and comfort me. But the damage, side effect damage from that prednisone medication, the damage was already done. There's no taking it back. There's no going back. Once it happened, it happened. There's no going back. And I still had to go to school. Um, I still had to go with my normal life. Um, mind you, it was it was about springtime. I think it was it was it was warm outside for sure. It was warm outside, so I you know want to wear t-shirts and and remember the uh, stretch marks were on my arms. They're um, they're on my bicep area. Um, so the t-shirts will kind of reveal my stretch marks and. I was still a kid. I was about 13 years old. And I was in middle school at the time. I was like a freshman in middle in middle school. Uh, kids were mean. Kids kids were mean. That's all I could say. I remember there's one, one kid in particular. Uh, he would always be around with a big group of kids behind him. He was like the little ringleader. Like... He's always had a big group of kids behind him. And he'd always point out to me, he'd see me in the hallway, I'd, I'd be by myself most of the time. I didn't have too many friends back then as it was, but this made this made even more of, this made me even more of a loner in, in that sense of things. Uh, he'd always see me in the hallway by myself. And he'd always make it a point, no matter what he was doing or what I was doing, he would, he would call me out, say, what are those leeches on your arms? What are those leeches on your arms? And the whole group of kids would start laughing, pointing and laughing, you know. And I, I had nobody. I just, you know, I tried to act like I didn't hear it or I tried to ignore it. I just kept walking. Kept kept moving dolo, you know. I kept it pushing, but in my mind, like I'll be hurting so bad inside, man. I remember after school every day, like I'd be on the verge of tears every single day walking home. There wasn't a moment throughout the day. Let me tell you, the pressure on my on my bones and my spine and my especially on my neck from the weight. I couldn't be without painkillers at a single point during the day. I had to be on painkillers 
all day, every day, every throughout the night. If I if I if the medication, if the painkiller medication wore off in the night, I have to wake up and get some because I couldn't sleep if I if I wasn't you know if I wasn't on the medication on the painkillers. You know, that's how bad the pain was. My body was trying to adapt within this extreme weight that was put on me, you know. So on top of all that, dealing with the pain, the physical pain on a daily basis, you know, on top of that, the emotional pain, having to go through school, have to be around these kids that constantly made fun of me, big cheeks, you got this pain, you know, you got leeches on your arms, dealing with all that. You know, at the end of the day, I'll be on the verge of tears every single day walking home from the bus. You know, and I really, and I chose to have nobody to tell this stuff to. I only turned into myself. And I asked myself, why? I looked to God, asked him, why are you doing this to me? Why me? Like, I, don't, I didn't even want to live anymore. I wanted to kill myself, you know? All that self-absorbed pain, like I chose, I chose to isolate myself in this because I didn't want anybody else to feel the pain that I was feeling. I wanted to take all that pain in and absorb it all so nobody else would feel it. I didn't want any of my loved ones to feel that pain that I was feeling. I didn't want to put my mother through that stress or make her feel bad, you know. I didn't want none of my family to experience what I'm feeling. So I held it all in. I held it all in. And, you know, eventually my body adapt, adapted, in, you know, to the weight a little bit as to, to a point where at least I didn't need to be on painkillers 24-7. Um, but at the same time, I was extremely out of shape. One thing... I always wanted to do from a young age as a little boy was to play football. That was like my dream. My dream was to play football. I always wanted to play pop one with the kids. But um one thing was I was always too big to play with the kids my age. I remember that uh, my dad took me to one of the weigh-ins back when I was a kid. And uh uh, my memory of that experience was I was extremely sad because I was too big. I was too big with the, you know, to play with the kids my age. Uh, and that was my first experience acknowledging, wow, I am officially a little different from everybody my age. You know, I can't even play the sports that I want to play with the kids, like, I'm too big. I got the kids in school telling me I'm too, I'm too big, and now the coaches are telling me I'm too big. But just as I was beginning to let that mental that that train of thought really like sink into me and take hold of me, I remember the head coach was right there to kind of take me out of that in a way. He told my dad. Keep feeding him, Dad. We'll be waiting for him in high school. And those kind, of, those words were exactly what I needed to hear. 
exactly the reassuring words I needed to hear at that point in time so I didn't officially sink into that train of thought, you know? If it wasn't for that, those words, uh, it was like all the pain that I went through during that time that I was going through all that pain and self-absorbed pain and, you know, the kids teasing me and all that, the light at the end of the tunnel kept telling me, keep pushing. Keep pushing. There's, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Good times are coming. Keep pushing. And part of that coach's word, Coach Lamb, I'll never forget him. I can't thank him enough for everything he did for me. And that was only the beginning of all the things that he did, he did for me, you know. Um, but I remember, okay, it was my, it was my, uh, it was the year before high school and, and middle school. It was the year before I was about to enter high school. Eighth grade, eighth grade was the year I was about, you know, I was transitioning into my high school. Period high school years, and before the end of the school year in eighth grade, I remember the head coach, Coach Lamb, the same guy that told my dad to keep feeding me, was the same coach that came to the high school for football sign-ups and for all the fall sports. And at that point in time, I had to make a decision. I could either continue along the self-absorbed pain path that I was riding along, skating by, complacent, you know, but I I would continue along that painful path of self-absorbed pain and pity and stagnancy, or I could choose a new path, the path that I always wanted for myself. And I was to sign up and play football like I wanted to do all those years back. And you know what? I chose to play football. I chose to hop up there and sign up and play football. It was a scary time because I I had never really played football before. I played flag football, but that's totally different from tackle football. That's totally different. And so I was a little scared and nervous. And all these thoughts were running through my mind. But sometimes you got to put that fear to the side in order to experience the best things in life. You know? Our fear is like, it's like a big wall. It's like a big boundary. Like, But on the other side of that fear is oftentimes the best things you'll get out of life. And you know what? I chose... I chose the, the the alternative. I chose to play football. I chose to knock my knock my fears aside and just go head first and just do it. Just do it, you know. I'm tired of being being afraid. I'm tired, tired of being just that you know that guy that's just letting life knock him down, knock him everywhere around. I'm 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 trying to take charge of my life. It's time to take charge. Time to be accountable for my actions and how I continue to write my life. I'm the author of my life, nobody else. So on a daily basis, I continue to write the outcomes of how 
I react to different situations, how I move around different situations. And at that point in time was the, was the true turning point in my life where I chose a higher path. I chose to escape that life that I was going along. I chose to take a take a U-turn. Not a, not a U-turn, but uh, I chose to take the exit onto a uh, a better path. It may might be the road less traveled, but it's it's a better path. You know. So I chose that. So I chose to escape that lane of comfort, um, depression, anxiety, um, and fear of change. I chose to just embrace the change, just jump in the in the next lane, you know? Sometimes we're afraid to just jump over the next lane because it's there's so many things that could go wrong. There's so many things that could happen to us if we choose to do this. And but you know what? In the end, that is it's it's the most beneficial for our growth when we put ourselves, when we throw ourselves out there into a into a world that we're we're unfamiliar with. But it's the limiting fear of what can go wrong. This will go wrong. That will go wrong. And for somebody like me that with such an overthinking mind is always thinking about how things could go wrong, it's absolutely essential for me to put all that to the side. You know what? Screw that. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go out and do it and rise the occasion as it goes, as it happens, as it unfolds. You know what I mean? But that's just how it, that's just how it is. That's that's human nature. We're afraid of the unknown. We have so many doubts about ourselves and how things will go that it it holds us back from so much in life. You know, so many people just go out there and just basically just just exist. Just the baseline of the entire life is just to exist, to get by and fade out. And that's the sad truth. But for, you know, for those that choose to that though for those that want more out of their lives for those who are always seeking the next level and have big goals and big dreams yes they are afraid they're always afraid of the unknown they're always afraid of what might happen if they throw themselves out there into things they've never done before of course they're afraid but you know what they don't not let they don't let that fear limit them they break through that barrier and they get to the other side and they realize it's not so bad after all you know that's just how it is that's that's human nature though so you can't let fear and the unknown limit you into living a baseline life you know where you're just skating by all your life and don't make an impact on anything or anyone and you just Seemingly, you just you just exist. Now, if you don't want that for yourself, then please. If you're afraid of the unknown, it's a good sign. You should break past that fear and just do it. 
And on the other side of that fear, you'll realize it wasn't so bad after all. And matter of fact, it was great. It was fantastic. And it was a life-changing thing that improved your life for the better. And you, you, and you never look back from that, you know? You just keep going forward. And the more fears that you break past and get to the other side, you it's like you level up as you continue to do these things, you know? To put yourself in a better situation, to put your, your happiness and mental clarity in, in such a, you know, high, such a higher vibration. And you, you, put your, you put yourself in a whole new vibrational energy space, you know? But that's just kind of how I'm, I'm, I'm just digressing a little bit. Um, okay, back to what I was saying. So, um, so I signed up for the football signups. I, I break past the fear and I sign up for football for the first time in my life. Tackle football. Yes. The time has come to embrace, um, me being the big dude that I was that always wanted to play football since I was a little kid. And finally here the time is and I signed up. Yes. I had, um, I remember the, so football camp was in August and I started, I did my best in the gym to try and, uh, work up towards camp. Uh, I went to like all the training sessions and you know, trying to prepare myself physically for the challenges that I was going to face. And I'm not going to lie to you, boy, I was, whew, I was hurting, boy. Those those summer training sessions, I ain't worked out, worked out that hard probably in my whole life. So, yeah, I was, man, I was throwing up everything on like a weekly basis. But I never stopped, though. I never stopped. I kept going. I, slowly, I started to get more and more in shape to a level that I was comfortably, I was comfortable to uh, enter the football camp. And, you know, I say it can't get much worse than that. You know, it was called tough camp. And boy, that's, boy, it was tough, let me tell you. But, um... Yeah, so finally football camp came up and I was I thought I was yeah, I was most prepared I ever been. But sure enough, uh first day of football camp came and boy it was hot as hell. First of all, it was like probably like ninety degrees. We was outside, no pads, no pads on just yet. But boy they running the hell out of us, man. <laughs> man. I must have thrown up <laughs> more than I have in my entire life, boy. <laughs> oh, man. But I didn't stop. I kept going. Every day, I kept going. The thing was, my problem was, yeah, I used to drink too much water. I thought I was dehydrated, so I just keep drinking water on the breaks we would get from running. But... I realized real quick that yeah that that had, I can't be drinking so much because all that does is swish around in your stomach when you're doing all that running, and it'll come right back out. Try to chill out with that. I realized a lot. Of, I learned a lot of things about myself back then, and eventually my body started to adapt. Um, 
And then finally school came up. You know, I, we practiced like all month. A few weeks before school started, we were practicing. And as school finally started, and it was the first time that I was going to be playing a sport as well as entering high school. And that in itself was an extremely difficult task for me at the time. Because I was still adapting to football and playing football and all that. And I was also need I also needed to adapt to school. Like this is the first time I've played a sport and gone to school in the, at the same time. So it was a really difficult adjusting period. I remember um <clears throat> I would go to school. I would go to school in the morning, you know, I get out at three o'clock go to practice, and I was giving my all in practice, you know, until I had none left in the tank. I'm that person, it's like, it's not in, it's not in me to just go through things lackadaisical or if I'm in practice, I'm in practice and I'm going to give it my all, you know. And so by the time I came home, I would just knock out. I would lay down in bed. While I take a shower, lay down in bed, just and knock out. I would knock out, and didn't matter how much homework I had, I would just lay down. And I would knock out. You know. Um. So yeah, that in itself, and this went on for like months like I would barely do homework I would barely study because I don't know I, I I didn't want I knew I didn't want to give up football this is something I wanted to do since I was a little boy so I knew giving up football was not happening this is something I wanted since I was a little boy and I used to have dreams about myself being you know, in the NFL and all that. And so I knew giving up football was not going to happen. I was going to get through this. I was eventually, my body was going to eventually adapt to playing and all that. So I wouldn't be so tired. And I just wasn't going to give that up. But I also needed to work on school too. And I needed to do my homework. I needed to study. And something had to give, you know, something had to give. So it basically took a meeting with all of my teachers and my parents sitting down in the room with me. Asking, basically, in front of my parents, my teachers all came and they sat me down looking at my current grades and they were really concerned and basically asked me, what the hell are you doing? What the hell are you doing? And I really didn't have an answer for them. I mean, I really just didn't even have an answer for them. All I could do was just wake the wake the hell up. I just all that's all I could do. I dug my hole so deep that that first year, that all the following years was just an effort to get back out of that hole, academic wise. 
And in school, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, high school, I was never really a scholar student at most. I, I, I did pretty good, I thought, but I, I was never like an academic scholar student or honor roll student, anything like that. So it was never, I did better the, the following years, sophomore, junior, senior year, um, academic-wise, but it was never really enough to get myself out of that hole I made for myself that first freshman year of high school. And as I got older, my body began to change. I really got into working out. Um, and I started doing really well in, with football. You know, my junior year, I progressed a lot. I finally made, I was starting varsity my junior year. And senior year was my best year of all. I was in the best shape of my life. Finally, I've gotten out of that hole uh, physically. I got out of that deep depression hole I was in for a long time physically. But academically, um, it was kind of always on the back burner. And I always... For whatever reason, I kept telling myself, you know, when it came down to colleges, come, come to talk to me and, you know, look at me, I was always saying to myself, trying to comfort myself that, you know, they're going to, oh, they'll, they'll overlook my grades. My, my film will do the talking. My gameplay will do the talking. You know, I, I didn't really, you know, I was... I was an athlete student, you know. They say student athlete, but in my case I say I was an athlete student. I didn't think I didn't think grades were that important, you know. I thought football was going to take me everywhere. But once again, I had another wake up call when it came senior year and all the big time coaches would come to see me and um they would sit me down and they would you know, talk about all the ideas for me on their team and all that, and they would. And then it came time to ask me, well, son, what's your grades like? What's your GPA? What's all the, you know, what's this, what's that? What's your test scores looking like? And then I would tell them, and they'll tell me straight out, well, son, sorry, I can't help you. And I'd be like, but, uh, sorry, son, yeah, it's too low for me. I can't help you there. And I know eventually it just became like a recurring thing. Like every school come to see me, even D3 schools come to see me. It's the same thing. Sorry, sorry, son, can't help you. Sorry, son, can't help you. So it came down to a private school called Nichols College, a junior college called Dean College, and a possibly prep school. I wanted to, I was leaning towards prep school because of the idea of it. I knew a lot of guys that went to prep school coming out of high school. And they went on to big schools. And um, going to a prep school, in my beliefs, would hurt my pride the least out of those three options. You know? It's like a, uh, to my pride, it was kind of like a, it would be kind of like a grace period. Like you could get this fifth year of high school in some, you know, private school somewhere and 
get a postgraduate school, you know, year at some private school somewhere and do my thing and, you know, on the field and, you know, all will be gravy. But the reality was a post year, a postgrad year probably still would not get my academics as to where they needed to be, you know. And I eventually had to accept that, you know, because those the they would still like the coaches would still talk to me. Uh, I would talk to the coaches at the prep schools, and I would t- tell them my grades once again, and they'll be like, "Well, yeah, we could, we could help you, but I don't, I don't think it. I don't know if it would be your best option, you know." And with Nichols College, it's a D three school, um, but I guess they could get some leeway and get me in there some kind of way if they really if if I said I really wanted to go you know they would do the you know they do their best to get me in there and they basically told me yes if I if I said that I'm going to go I'm if I commit to going there they will do something to get me in there they'll do their best with the advisors and everybody else to get me in that school and that I didn't have to worry about that. That's seemingly how bad they needed people. And then Dean College is a junior college, so I could get in there no problem. But my pride did not want to accept going to a junior college. I felt like I'd be like an embarrassment amongst all the rest of my the all-stars on my uh, football team. You know, everybody else was going to big big-time schools like <clears throat> UMass Amherst uh all over all all kind of D1 schools you know that was that was my dream to get a scholarship and go to a D1 school so i my pride did not want to accept going to a junior college like that was that was like out that was not even in my options like i wasn't even considering that you know and then the head coach, the same guy that told me when I was a little kid, told my dad when I was a little kid to keep feeding me, we'll be waiting for him in high school, the same guy that came to my middle school and offered football signups and gave me that chance at a higher path, the same guy, he came to me and talked to me he he called me down to his office to come talk to him about my situation with schools. And I was honest with him. But he also saw how, you know, committed my my mind was was to going to uh prep school. And he knew that wasn't wasn't going to be a good option for me. It would be a waste of my time, waste of my money, you know. And he knew my best bet was to go to Dean College, the junior college. The one that I didn't want to accept because my pride didn't want to accept going to a junior college. But he wanted to broaden my mind into seeing uh, into seeing this path and really thinking it through a little more, you know, to see it for what it really is. And so he, Coach Lamb, 
Um, it was it was like the end of the week. He offered to drive me down to the school personally. In his own time, in his own car, he drove me down to the school. And I will, I'll never forget that ride, you know. I'll never forget that. No, Nobody's ever, you know, taken their own time to open open my mind like that, you know, towards something that's the best option for me. And um so I'll ever I'll forever be indebted to him for that, you know. Um so yeah, I went to this he took me to the school, introduced me to all the coaches, showed me around the school, and so I could see with my own eyes as to what it really is. And it's nothing you should be ashamed of, anything like that. Dean College is basically an all-star team, you know, for people who just basically just didn't have the grades to go where they wanted to go. So here's a, it's a second chance, a second chance at going to the school you've always wanted to go to, you know. And so I ended up going there. I ended up going with that option. It was seemingly the best option out of all three. It definitely was. Um, I'm forever grateful that I took that option. You know, I'm forever grateful for the experience that I had going there. Boy, that was man. Football wise, that was I would say it's extremely high level of football. That was an experience I'll never forget. Playing with some of those guys, those guys had heart. They had a spirit of D1 players. And a lot of them did, did go to Division One schools. Um, I remember the first day of football camp, we had pads on. Finally, we had, we lived like the first first week, no pads. Second week, we started, started padded practice, two-a-days. I remember... One of the guys, um, Tenario, middle linebacker. This dude brought us all in the huddle. He brought us all in the huddle and told us, if I catch any one of y'all slacking off, I'm going to slap the hell out of y'all. And that shit right there, boy, Man, he said it was such pride and such intent. Man, I was working my ass off that whole practice, boy. I didn't slack for one second. So first practice goes by smooth. I did my thing. Second practice, we started to do the warm-up drills. And you know, you out in front of the new coaches and all that, you trying to show off a little bit. And uh, so we did this exercise called Bound for Heights. It's like a warm-up drill you do over uh, a 10-yard span. It's like you jump up as high as you can on one leg across a 10-yard span. And um, so I did it. I did it. I went up once. I went up twice. I went up three times. And pop. I felt like a... Like a shot go through my Achilles. Kind of like somebody 
kicked me in the in the Achilles or something. Like by accident or something. And I turn around, nobody's there. Then I try to move on a little more, but there was no like I could not push off my foot at all. And I instantly I realized, okay, yeah, something's definitely wrong. So then I hobbled off to the sideline. And uh, sure enough, sure enough, um, well, I I didn't know just yet. So I got onto the sideline. I got onto the sideline, and then, you know, the trainer guy, this guy was on some other stuff. He was always always like, Devin, don't worry about it. We're going to get you back. You're going to get you back out there in no time, man. It's just a sprain. Yeah, no problem, man, no problem. It's going to ice it, wrap it up. You know, keep it elevated. Back in no time, man. I'll get you back out there in no time. And I was like, uh, all right, man. Yeah, no problem. Cool. So, come back. I go to this training room like every morning for like two, three days. Still, no push off on my foot. No feeling in, you know. I had like no push off, no feeling in the Achilles area. Like, it was completely like numbed and then uh so yeah the trainer guy was like okay yeah so i think something's definitely wrong with your achilles we're gonna have to take you to the mri at the hospital we're gonna have to get you an mri at the hospital um let's schedule that right about now so they called the hospital, and uh, I took a ride over there. My parents actually came to me that day so they could see for themselves what's going on. And sure enough, they showed me the MRI picture, and it's like somebody just took a sword to my Achilles and just slashed it. Clean cut. Clean cut. And nothing, nothing like that has ever happened to me in my life. I mean, I had sprained ankles before and things like that, but something like that, you know? During another adjustment period in my life, something like this is happening to me, you know? It's like I was constantly being tested every new step of, uh, every new level up chapter in my life, it seems like I was tested with something to test my perseverance, see how I get through it, you know? You know, when you really want something, you're going to be tested like hell. And boy, have I been tested. So, yes, I tore my Achilles and I had to get the surgery ASAP so it wouldn't heal wrong. So I got the surgery. School started up shortly after that. I was in the boot. No, I was in the cast and crutches for about two months. After that, I was in a boot for a month. And um, after the boot, I was able to just walk around normally. But at that point, my calf had muscle atrophy. Had to build the muscle back up in my calf. Had to go through physical therapy every single day to get the muscle back in my calf and my ankle. Um, and so I, you know, so I can get ready to play spring ball. And so I played spring ball. I wrapped the hell out of my Achilles. 
And yeah, I got through spring ball and I did pretty good. Following season came in the, in the spring in the in the summer, summer into fall, and another injury happened. I think because of compensating for the uh, Achilles, I was doing sprints one day on the my old high school and. I don't know where I felt a pop in my hamstring. And I pulled my hamstring for the first time in my life. I think all this happened because I ain't stretching up, man. Make sure y'all stretch for real, man. Because that's the stuff I went through with those injuries, boy. They just, man. And that hamstring injury was something that stayed with me for a long time. Because one thing about football players is like, We're always, even when we're injured, we're always pushing ourselves to get to get back into action. Always pushing yourself to get back into action. But you got to, you know what? You got to know the difference. You know, there's a difference between. It's kind of like a perseverance that's kind kind of like ingrained in us. You know, fight through the pain, get through it, push through it. You don't feel no pain. Let's go. It's kind of like that mentality is like ingrained in us. So. When we feel pain, no matter what kind of pain it is, we're always trying to fight past it. We're always, even if it's detrimental to our health, there's always something in the back of our minds like, push through the pain, you know, work through it, let's go, you know? So that's kind of like something that was ingrained in me during that time. So even back then when I had a hamstring, I'm always trying to, push past it, you know, give it, give it, I'll give it, try and give it like a week and a half at, at most before I get back into trying to work out again and prepare for the season. And sure enough, right before the season, like I'd say like a few weeks before the season started, I was doing sprints again. And sure enough, I pulled my hamstring, same hamstring again. So that's, so that's two times in the, over the course of Probably a month and a half, I pulled my hamstring twice. Same hamstring. All right. So this time, I gave myself another week. And uh, then I tried to get back into some light, you know, calisthenics. And I was praying that I was going to be in shape enough to get to the season and be okay. Praying that my hamstring wasn't going to, you know, pop again. Or nothing else happened. And first day of practice came on preseason. It's two-day practice. Um, first practice went okay. Second practice, we started doing some kind of sprint drill. And, of course, take a wild guess as to what happened. I got up. We did, like, the up-downs, and then we sprinted towards the sideline. I Jumped, I dropped down, I got back up, got to stepping, got to running, and pop once again. Take a, you know, it happened once again. This time the trainer knew, had to, you know, he knew what happened and he wasn't going to let me get back out there until I was healed up or at least good enough to, you know, to practice again or play again, you know. So I had no choice but to, you know, just let. 
let myself self heal properly. Um, yep, I rested up pretty good. He got me back into action. And thankfully, I was able to make some kind of little highlights film from the games that I was able to play in later on in the season. And I was all set up to go to Worcester State. Uh, that's a D3 school out of Massachusetts. I was all, you know, I was about to pay my housing fee and everything else to go there before I graduated from Dean. But at the la- very last minute, um, a school out in Illinois called Quincy University contacted me. A, a coach from there contacted me and said he really liked what he saw in my highlight film and he'd be interested in having me out at the school for a visit. Um, and I had never heard of the school before, but I know it, I know it was a Division two school. And I know, I know they had, you know, potential to give me a scholarship. And I, so I was like, well, okay, let's see what they got to, you know, let's see what they uh, are talking about. So I went out there with my mother. I went out there and checked it out, you know, met up with the coach. And they, they showed me around the school a bit. And... Then they brought me back to the uh, locker room and uh, the office. They sat me down at the table. They told me to sit down with my mother at the table. And they went and got some paperwork and put it right on the table in front of me. And, and they asked me, you know, so what do you say, son? You want to join us? And it was an offer for a scholarship. It was an offer for the scholarship to play at Quincy University. This was like everything came to full circle right then and there. It was like every, everything I ever wanted from the sport of playing football was sitting in front of me right then. You know, all the pain, all the perseverance, all the pain I went through as a kid. And to see my mother smiling at, at me as I... Gladly accepted and signed those papers, man. It just made everything all worth it. It made everything all worth it. All the sacrifice I went through, everything I went through, all that, everything, it all came full circle, you know? It all, it was all worth it in that moment, you know? all because I chose a higher path when I was presented with the opportunity. You know? I would have never thought when I was going through all that pain during that time in my life, that dark time in my life, when when all I could see was just darkness around me, there was always in the back of my mind some little glimmer of hope always telling me to keep going. Don't give up. It was like a little, it was the tiniest voice when everything else inside of me in my mind was telling me you sucked, you're this, you're that, you're, you're, you're not, you're worthless, you know. There was always a little glimmer of hope, of light in the back of my mind. 
that told me, keep going, keep pushing. It's going to get better. And I would always listen to it, no matter how bad things got. I never drowned that noise out. I always listened to it. I always tried to find it when things were extremely hard to push, to keep pushing. You know? And look what it amounted to. On the other side of that fear that I had of jumping over into the unknown and something I've never done before in my life, look who came out of it. And it wasn't the last time that I faced hard times, and it's definitely not the last. But from that experience... I learned how strong I am. I learned I can do this. I can keep pushing. You know, I show, it showed me how real my grit is. How real my grit is to push past something like that unbearable. You know? And nobody else went through that but me. And came out on top. I would have never thought in my wildest dreams back then that football would take me so far across the country that these football coaches would be so happy to sit me down in their office and offer me a scholarship saying, well, what do you say, son? I'd be like, oh, hell yeah. You already know. I signed that paper with joy, boy. Man. There was people back back when I was struggling in high school that told me they didn't think I was going to finish high school. They didn't think I was going to further my education at all. There was people that really said those things to me. In that meeting, one of the teachers said, They didn't think I was going to make it. They didn't think I was going to make it any further. They didn't think college was an option for me. But I proved them wrong. Most importantly, I proved it to myself. I proved it to them myself, first and foremost, you know what I mean? This story, especially the darkest times of my story, as I said before, was something that I've only just begun to accept as a part of my past. Without that piece of my past, I wouldn't be who I am today. But I was so embarrassed to tell people about it or acknowledge it. Because of, you know, I was so worried about my image. I went through so much pain, I I was almost embarrassed to have even acknowledged that pain. I acknowledged I went through that and had a medical condition and went through constant pain day and night. But yes, I did, and I went through it, and I got through it, and here I am today. And I'm still pushing, still fighting. But I came out on top. I I think I came out pretty good. 
I won my current self through that pain and perseverance. You know? When I see myself in pictures today, it's almost a testament to see how far to see myself and how far I've come. So yes, I'm I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of myself and I'm not complacent, but I'm not complacent. And I'm always seeking the next level. There's always more. And in, in order to continue getting more out of life, I need to put myself in situations that aren't very comfortable. So then I'll be able to adapt and grow. You know? The comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing ever grows there. Keep that in mind. So guys, please excuse um, the previous recordings. I'm just realizing that um, it's sounding like I'm on speakerphone or something as I talk into the mic. <laughs> so I'm I'm still learning how to use this uh, Anchor app. It's pretty dope though. Like anybody can get on and make a podcast on. It's like a, it's an app on your phone. So if anybody's interested interested in making their own podcast at some point. I think it's a great first step to get yourself out there and put yourself in front of people, in front of an audience, you know, and speak on whatever you want to speak on. But I'm still, I, I think I'm I'm still working on um, the best ways to go about making podcasts and everything. So it's a work in progress, as is life, you know. So, But yeah, guys, thank you for tuning in to the first episode of the Brotherhood Podcast. I appreciate all you guys listening in. Stay tuned for many more to come. I'm definitely going to have many different uh, hosts and guests on the show. I'm definitely going to have my brother Rich come on the next episode. And yes, I'm definitely not going to open up the show sounding like I'm on a speakerphone for the first half of the show. You live and you learn. I'm definitely going to invest in a new microphone for sure. (laughs) But to sum up the show and there's something to remember from the show is whatever happened to you in your past or maybe even in your present, just remember if you struggled through it, you ended up getting through it, you know? Sometimes you got to remember where you came from in the past in order to get ahead in the future, you know, and it's, it's, that's like a testament of my life. In order to truly grow, you got to embrace those things that happened way back then, or just accept it to yourself that it had, that it happened and you persevered and you're here today, still standing, still fighting, still pushing forward. But you got to remember that it did happen and you got through it. It didn't tear you down. You're still here. You're still here. You know? When it gets hard to push forward, sometimes you got to look back and see how you got through it in the past. You know? But by all means, please do not try and hide it from yourself. We all struggle. It's a part of human life. It's a part of the human experience. We all struggle at different points in our lives. Sometimes more than others. Sometimes a lot more than others. 
And sometimes it seems like everywhere you turn, you got a struggle and obstacle in your way. But this life ain't easy. If it was easy, it probably wouldn't even be that worth living. You know, everything's just a cakewalk. Then what What point, what challenge? There's no challenge in life. Then what, what point is there? You know? And please don't do yourself a favor and do not look, do not compare yourself or your journey to anybody else's. Your journey is completely unique to your life. And if you're struggling a lot and you're persevering a lot, if you're str- if you're hopping over hurdles every now and every, it seems like everywhere you turn you're hopping over hurdles. And you're looking over to the next guy, and it's, it looks like he's just cakewalking through life. Please do not get it twisted. The destination that you put in your GPS, your end goal. Your goal and your successes that you set for yourself. And you're hopping over hurdles every now and then. But you're getting through. You're you're hopping over those hurdles. You're getting past them. You're getting through them. You're gaining wisdom as you go. You're gaining wisdom. And when you you finally reach your destination, your destination of success, that, that destination you put in your GPS, you know, and sometimes you got to go through the, the road less traveled to reach it. But you're still going to get there. It might be kind of an unorthodox method. It might not be the, the smooth path. But you're going to get there. It might be the rocky path, but you're still going to get there. And when you get there, you're going to have, having gone through all those trials and tribulations, you will be much better prepared for all the obstacles that have yet to come than that guy that went through the smooth path, the cakewalk. He ain't going to be ready for all that, that that is yet to come. But you prepared, you weathered. You weathered the storm and you weather, you're going to weather all that is yet to come. You know? So, just think of it like that. Don't compare your journey to anybody else. It's completely unique to you. But yeah, guys, remember that. Stay tuned for the next episode coming soon. It's your boy D checking out. Have a good day, y'all.